0: CHAPTER Twenty-Eight OF THE RAT RACE BY J. FRANKLIN This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The highly respectable receptionist at the office of Tompkins, Wasson & Cohn almost smiled at me. "'There are several gentlemen waiting for you, Mr. Tompkins,' she announced. "'Some of them have been waiting since before lunch. Do you plan to receive them, or shall I ask them to return tomorrow?' no i'll see them in a few minutes i replied miss briggs will let you know no sooner had i settled down at my desk however than graham wasson and phil cone came dancing in wreathed in tickle-tape we're rich we're rich they chanted where's the marine band and hail to the chief i asked how rich are we anyway we cleaned up wasson said just a bit under three million in one week it was as you said we went short of the market and after roosevelt's death boy did they liquidate and thanks to phil here we got out before the big boys put the squeeze on the shorts that reminds me winnie cohn interrupted one of the mourners in the customers room who's waiting to see you is jim de forest from morgan's he's been waiting here since two o'clock you'd better see him quick huh we don't want to keep twenty three wall waiting do we nuts phil i told him "'I'll see them in the order of their arrival. "'That's what they do at Morgan's when you haven't got an appointment.' I pushed the button for Arthur Jean. "'Who's been waiting the longest, Miss Briggs?' I asked. She consulted a little pack of memo forms. "'There's this Mr. Sylvester,' she said. "'He was here when the office opened and has been waiting here all day. "'He wouldn't state his business.' "'Okay,' I replied. "'Send him in or he'll faint from hunger.' mr sylvester was florid in a quiet latin way and looked as though he might be anything from an operatic tenor to the proprietor of a gambling ship he waited until my partners had withdrawn mr tompkins he said speaking quietly i represent the syndicate that's reorganizing the free market in meat we need a real smart guy well connected like yourself to head it up and keep track of the money We'll pay a million dollars a year any way you like it. Swiss banks, Havana, Buenos Aires, Mexico City, and no tax. I'm always interested in a million dollars, but I never did like Atlanta, I told him. Atlanta? He shrugged his shoulders. We got lawyers could talk Compone out of Alcatraz, and we got a fix on the courts too. What would you be doing in Atlanta? i doubt that they'd make me librarian i said and i don't think i'd make the ball team so i guess i'd have to work in the laundry what's the trouble with the black market anyhow seems to me you've got opa right in your corner too many amateurs and outsiders he told me just like with prohibition meat's bad and too many cops get a cut we aim to do like the beer syndicates organize it right keep prices reasonable have the payoff stabilized, making it a good banking proposition. We've checked on you. You're smart. Would a million and a half do? I shook my head. I've got a million and a half, I remarked. Okay, Mr. Sylvester straightened up, shook my hand and gave a little bow. Think it over, he urged. If you change your mind, put an ad in the Saturday Review personal column. Meet me anywhere, Winnie. That's cute meet and meet see our representative will call on you i asked Arthur Jean to send in the next visitor and to my surprise she announced to forrest hell i told her there must have been others ahead of him there was she said but they agreed to let him see you first they said they'd be back tomorrow. they were from goldman sachs and lehman brothers so they wanted to give morgan's first crack at you i guess Jim DeForest proved to be one of the vaguely familiar figures I had noticed flitting around the Harvard Club. Winnie, he said, I just dropped in to say that we have been pretty well impressed by the way your firm handled itself in this recent market. Mr. Whitney wanted to know whether it would be convenient for you to drop in and have a talk with him soon. Today? I asked. DeForest glanced at his Rolex. Today's a little late, he remarked but give him a ring tomorrow no damn it he's leaving for a short trip to washington make it next week and he'll have plenty of time for you what's it about jim i asked don't tell me that i'm going to be offered a morgan partnership he looked as though i had burped in church i hardly think so he replied if that were the case mr lamont would have seen you somewhere uptown you know the way they gossip in the street no i rather fancy that mr whitney wants you to be one of our brokers for floor operations or he might since you specialize in estate work want you to help with some of the new issues we are planning to underwrite either way would suit me fine jim i told him do you know i continued this is the second happiest day of my life the first was when i got married DeForest seemed a bit relieved and permitted himself a worldly smile. And today, I continued, I received the greatest honor that can come to an American in Wall Street. Believe me, Jim, this means more than having just cleaned up three million dollars in straight trading. After all, what is money worth if I can't buy what isn't for sale? This idea seemed to be taken under DeForest's advisement for future consideration, but he let it pass. After all, a million dollars is dross compared to the approval of the employers of men like jim de forest still limping along on twenty-five thousand a year twenty years after graduation grand to have seen you winnie he said indicating that the audience was at an end i'll tell mr whitney that you'll see him next week and of course no talk about this we don't like to encourage gossip about our operations i promised that i would be silent as the grave not even telling my partners or my wife after all i pointed out it's not a good idea to arouse false hopes perhaps mr whitney will change his mind i hope not the forest said solemnly as though i had mentioned the possibility of the black death i most certainly hope not we don't do business on that basis you know well miss briggs who's next i inquired after de Forest had withdrawn with an affable air of royalty inspecting a clean but second-rate orphan asylum since those bankers left there's only three waiting one's a general but he comes after this other man what's his name patrick michael shaughnessy whoever he is send in the irish i told her Mr. Shaughnessy was an Irish-American counterpart of the Mr. Sylvester who wanted to reorganize the free market for meat. He was a natty dresser, and he spoke out of the corner of his mouth. Mr. Tompkins, he told me, I'm from the Democratic National Committee. The chairman, and gee, Bob's a wonder, wanted to ask whether you'd consider a diplomatic appointment. Of course I would, I replied thinking of germaine's artless desire to be an ambassadress but that depends on where i'm sent and that kind of thing what have you in mind there's only one post open right now he remarked that's bologna or peruna or hell no it's bolivia that's somewhere in america isn't it i agree that bolivia was located in the western hemisphere that's where the tin and llamas come from mr shaughnessy i educated him the capital city of la paz is located about twelve thousand feet high in the andes and the inhabitants are mainly indians i don't think that mrs tompkins would care for that his face fell you'd be an ambassador of course he informed me and that's always worth something but the boss said-that's bob of course we call bob the boss that if you wouldn't fall for bolivia to ask you what about ottawa that's the capital of canada it's right next to montreal and those places and there's good train service to new york on the central any time you want to run down for a show or a haircut bob said canada was a real buy oh a buy i remarked shaughnessy looked at me shrewdly uh-huh he remarked how much will it cost me to be ambassador to canada shaughnessy was faintly aggrieved the boss don't like to talk about money and jobs that way mr tompkins he always says think of the chance to serve the country say you're a good democrat or if you aren't a democrat you're the next thing to it a republican that is and you want to make a contribution to the party we always got a deficit see if there ain't one now there's one coming right up say you lay two or three hundred grand on the line that goes a hundred grand to the committee and another hundred grand divided among the state committees you see we got to take care of the senate so they'll vote to confirm you and there are some operators up there who won't vote for nothing except they got taken care of first then the rest we put into a dignified publicity campaign to build you up with the public and let the canucks see they're getting something special when the president nominates you i considered this one carefully do you let me pick the public relations firm that handles that end of the campaign, Mr. Shaughnessy? He grinned artlessly. I should say not, he chuckled. How do you think we boys on the committee make a living? No, we pick the firm that does the job, and that's all you need to worry about. We own them. So, you see, you're protected right across the board. Any time we sell an ambassadorship, we deliver. Doesn't the State Department have something to say about it? shaughnessy told me exactly what the state department could do about it so i told him to let me have a few days to think it over after all three hundred thousand dollars was quite a bit of money to pay for a diplomatic post it wasn't as though i could make it pay off in scotch whiskey or mining shares as in the past that's what you think the agent of the democratic national committee rapped out listen mr tompkins if you buy that job, take me along as your private secretary, and I'll show you how to make it pay like a bank, and no ifs. What shall I tell the gang? Tell them I'm definitely interested, I replied truthfully, but I'd like a couple of weeks to think it over. My next visitor was General Forbes Dutton of the Army Service Forces. Remember me, Winnie? Why, sure, I replied with great cordiality. If it isn't, that's right. The general interrupted. Well, boy, after Pearl Harbor, I got me... I was asked to go to Washington to help out. So the bank said it was my duty, that they'd hold my job for me, and I've been there ever since. I'm on Westervelt's staff in charge of financial procurement policies. Neat, eh? So you're still working for the bank? Not for them, Winnie. With them. We're both working for the government. Financing war contracts, you know. Now, Westervelt's heard good things about you, Winnie. He was much impressed by the way you turned down that gang of chiselers who tried to horn in on the quinine deal. They're all out. He's got a big job in mind for you. How'd you like to be a brigadier general?' "'It's a little late for that,' I told him. "'The war's almost over.' He laughed very heartily. "'Ha, ha, ha! It's a honey of a job, Winnie. Here's what gives.' this war's almost over as you say then the army will have the job of selling off the stuff it doesn't need and boy it has everything we've just about cornered everything there is and the whole world's going to be crying for this stuff we want a good trader in charge who knows how to play ball with the boys realistic that is no stargazer huh? and that's where you come in there's millions in it hell there's billions we gotta go slow in selling it or we'd bust the market wreck values and stall reconversion so we had us a brainstorm when we heard how you cleaned up in the funeral market how about it want to play ball and get next to the biggest break you've ever heard of i looked forbes dutton squarely in the eye isn't it going to be a headache i asked i mean won't there be a stink in congress about it i'm no fall guy the general shook his head congress is in on it every man jack of them outside a few screwballs he assured me we got a deal worked out in every district all legal and clean of course so there isn't a senator or congressman that can't march right up to the trough and get his hell there's so much of it food tractor jeeps clothes ships machine tools factories even that we could buy every congressman ten times over and still have plenty of glue with you on top it still sounds as though you were looking for a fall guy i told him he again laughed merrily ha <laughs> ha anywhere you fall in this surplus game you'll still land soft and be in clover what about it shall i phone the pentagon sorry to stall you i said but i've got to think it over i've got to talk to my lawyer I'd still like to come down to Washington and study the angles." "'Angles? Hell, this hasn't any more angles than a big ripe watermelon. Brigadier General's not a bad title for a post-war use. When these G.I.s come back, they'll want to find soldiers running things.' "'Okay, Winnie, I see your point. I'll tell the General you'll be coming down to look the ground over. You'll get the Order of Merit, of course.' "'I've already got it,' I informed him the hell you say that's wonderful well then we'll fly you over to london or brisbane and give you a couple of theater citations to dress you up after a couple of weeks on ike's or mac's staff you'll have a build-up like nobody's business then we make a killing Bye. when the door closed behind general forbes dutton i called for arthur jean honey i told her get me a snort of brandy and accept my personal apologies to the entire female sex for any time I have ever made use of the word whore. What's eating you, Winnie? She asked. I've just been propositioned by two gentlemen who would be complimented if you called them prostitutes, I told her. The only honest man I've met today was that first little guy. All he wanted me to do was to help reorganize the black market. Who's left now? there's only this one man who calls himself charles g smith and has been waiting some time he looks like a crank shall i give him a handout and tell him to go away i shook my head i can't take much more of the current brand of patriotism charles g smith was a small wispy man with a protruding adam's apple buck teeth and shabby clothes he ignored my outstretched hand and advanced on me with a glittering eye mr tompkins he announced in a curiously deep velvety voice you have made millions of dollars that you must soon leave behind you you have invested years of your life in collecting and keeping those dollars little discs of metal little slips of paper what have you invested in the only thing you will be permitted to take with you when you leave what do you mean i asked i mean you're a mortal soul mr tompkins you're a mortal soul said mr charles g smith oh lord a religious crank i exclaimed naturally he agreed proudly i'd rather be crazy about god than nuts about money why not i looked at him with growing respect why not indeed i thought my case is out of your line mr smith i told him they all say that he replied but god doesn't think so my case is different i repeated you see i have not one but two immortal souls he nodded benignly i know he said god told me that you were in trouble that sounds as though you and i were buddies mr smith i observed where can I find him? It will take God himself to straighten out my case. Smith shrugged his shoulders. You can't find him, he said. You've got to wait until he finds you. End of chapter 28